0: Bible, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on as we begin this new series on marriage and family. Say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do All it says I can do, I can be, all it says I can be, I can have, all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave your changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to start this new series, and for those of you who are single, I just want you to know... This is as much for you. All these principles apply to relationships, friendships, whatever, in, in many different ways. But in Ephesians 5, let me just say this. It's the most revelatory text about marriage in Scripture. It is a place where God pulls back the curtain and uh, we see God's perfect plan uh, for marriage. So let's begin in verse 21. By the way, most people, most churches That I've been around start with verse 22, but we're going to start with verse 21 because really is the text of the whole uh, part of the message submitting to one another in the fear of God. So when I grew up, we started not with this verse, but the next verse, because we wanted to leave that we love we men love the verse women submit to your husbands wives submit to your husbands. But it's important that we understand when it comes to marriage and any relationship in men and women, that we are exactly the same. We're equal. Not one is better than the other. And when it comes to marriage, the Bible does not tell women to submit to men. It tells us how to submit to each other in marriage. So marriage starts out with marriage, uh, with men and women fulfilling their roles in submission to God and to each other. So Lois and I have been married for 44 years, going on. 45 in a few more months. We never talk about who's the boss in our marriage. We both know who the boss is. We both know it's Jesus. You thought I was going to say Lois. Because you think she's the boss. (laughs) Now Now let me just say this. We have to work at Jesus being the boss and die to ourselves every moment and every day it seems like. So I, I want you to know this that when I got married I thought Lois would meet all of my needs and my thought was that I'm a pretty good guy and I'll tell you about more about this next week that, that I have a lot of qualities that she should want in her life and if I could just make Lois like me she will be a fantastic wife aren't you glad you're not Lois (laughs) but Lois also thought if she could make me like her I'd be a great husband that's because neither one of us knew our roles All right. so here's what this talks to us about in verse 22 it says wives now you don't like this word submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the Lord is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he's the savior of the body Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Let me, let me just read that here. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her To himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, excuse me, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason... A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. I just That means you've got to leave mommy and daddy, okay, just so you know that. And the two shall become one flesh, and it's on both sides, by the way. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now let me say again, this is the most uh, important text in scripture on marriage because it's like God pulls back the curtain to show us what marriage really is and what it represents. It's also the portion of scripture that is disliked by most Christians every time it's read. In fact, it's disliked almost as much as the scriptures on tithing, okay? Those two areas... We just don't like what it says, and we especially don't like this portion of Scripture because of what it says about us. We men love the concept of having a submissive wife. If they don't know any other Scripture, us men, we know that one in particular because we love to say, you're supposed to submit to me. I tried this on Lois early in our marriage, even in our dating, and it was a near-death experience. No, (laughs) The other, remember, if you guys were at the married seminar yesterday, they took Lois's in my flag page, which is our personalities, and we found out that Lois is all business and no fun, and I am <laughs> about control and fun, so we're complete opposites of each other. So just know when I'm having fun up here, she's not, okay? <laughs> and then she told me also this morning, she said, now, remember, don't try to be like Mark Gunger. I said, How could I possibly be like Mark Gunger? I'll just be myself. And she said, "That, that Maybe you need to change that too. No, just kidding. <laughs> All right, so the other uh, portion of scripture is that we fear being the first one to actually doing what it says. Women will say, Well, if I submit to my husband, if he acted just remotely like Jesus. Uh, then, then, then I would submit to him, but he acts more like the devil's brother, you know, which he's back there. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wayne, Wayne's not the devil's brother, and I'm not the devil. All right. Anyway, all right. So I'm uh, so the woman will say, "I'm on a mission from God to keep him humble," and then the man will say, "If I show my wife any weakness at all." by serving her, I'll be doing housework all night while she's sipping sparkling cider in the bathtub. And uh, so I have to be strong. You don't understand what, what, if I show her any kind of weakness at all, you don't understand that, that I accidentally married the devil's ex-wife or something like that. So, so what I'm saying is, when we read this portion of scripture, there's a pushback in each spouse. And you and I need to know there's no plan B when it comes to marriage because this is God's perfect plan for marriage. And this plan works when everyone practices what it says. Marriage will have a 100% chance in your life if you are even if you're complete opposites like Lois and I are. So today this passage in this passage it's my job to give you some things about God assigned roles in marriage and how God plans to work marriage out in our lives, and it can work. So here's the first thing to write down. Our roles make us attractive to our spouse and cause them to, be, to, to open their hearts to us. Now, what I just read to you uh, is the key to your spouse's heart, and they will not open their heart until you begin to practice what it says in this portion of Scripture. Once you start practicing it, It is incredible the change that it will bring in your spouse. So let's start with the women and how you should treat your husband because that's where it started in verse 22. And uh, you can write this down. And that's this. The number one need in every man is respect and honor. Some people think it's sex, but it's not. Respect and honor. And believe it or not, this is a man's mega- need above anything else. So in 1 Peter 3 it says this. Verse 1, wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands. And by the way, the word submissive means respect and honor. That's what it means. It it doesn't mean you come under and you're a doormat and you get walked on. It, it means to be respectful and, and give honor. So it says to your own husbands that even that even if some do not obey the word They, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste or chaste, which means respectful and pure conduct, accompanied by fear. And it's not fear of being afraid, but it's by, again, honoring God. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. But let me just say this. uh, There's nothing wrong with that, all right? Uh, Never mind, I won't go there either. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with an incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh at that because the law has never called me Lord. All right whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid uh, with any terror. Now, Ephesians 5 is summarized up in verse 32 where it says, wives, respect your husbands. So Peter's saying, you can change your husband's uh, heart without even a word as he observes your, your respectful and pure behavior. So ladies, listen to me for a second. Respect and honor are so powerful in the life of a man. We will change our behavior for the person who, who gives it to us. It's the most powerful need in our lives, and it's what makes you attractive to us. In fact, First Peter tells us this behavior is so precious in the sight of God that's an attractive thing to God as well as men. Now, I've had women say, Doug, you don't understand. I'm not a mousy, little, gentle, quiet personality. I'm a strong woman. And I want you to know I think that's okay. I, I get that and I respect that. But gentle and quiet is not the spirit of, of a beaten down woman, but it's the opposite of rough and loud. And it's the spirit in a woman that believes uh, in God that, that, uh, that her behavior is powerful enough as she trusts in God to change the husband she's married to. So when you are being gentle and respectful and honoring your husband, there's a spirit of faith that rises up within you and fights for your husband to be all that God called him to be. You go to him, you tell him he's a hunk. If you're lying, that's okay in that area. No, just and, and you can tell him anything you want, like, like you need to spend more time with the kids. You need to spend more time with me. Uh, you, you, you just need to understand that as you do that with honor and respect, you let the Holy Fe- Holy Spirit be the enforcer and not you. Be gentle to him in person, but then here, let me, let me say this. Be gentle to your husband in person, but be violent in your prayer closet. Go after God, and Lois has done that for me over the years, and I know when she's doing it, because I start getting convicted about things I hate being convicted about, and I find it also at the same time attractive that she's praying for me. All right? Now men, here's the number one need you know about you need to know about women. The number one need of a woman is security. Ephesians 5 tells us a man should love his wife and lay down his uh, life for her, just like Jesus did for the church, that he should be a sacrificial, And loving man. Well, it's really true that a a sacrificial man is attractive to his wife. If you don't believe me, let me give you some research, all right? A study was done at the UW and several other universities uh, about when is a man most attractive to his wife? Listen to me, guys. The number one answer is what? When a man is doing housework. In fact, they find it even more attractive when he has an apron on. Just saying. And let me just say this. To, to prove my point, uh, you, you need to know that not only do they believe it's attractive, they also find this. Uh, th- they, they have found this to be. Now let me write this. I, I've got it in my notes. That... Uh, they, they did a study also on the sweat of men. How many have ever seen a movie where they're all sweaty and dirty and they're kissing you and you're going, yuck? But they did, a swe- they did a study on this, on the effects of male sweat on women. And the University of Pennsylvania, California, many other colleges have done this. They took male sweat and applied it to the upper lips of women. They didn't tell them it was male sweat. They made them think it was some type of new perfume. And, and they discovered, now get this, when women are under the effects of male sweat, you can write this down, this is on your notes, right? When, may, when women are under the influence of male sweat, they relax, they get happy, and they get romantic. Okay, let's, let's review, all right? they asked women, when is your husband most attractive to you? And they said, when he's doing housework. Then they gave the effects of male sweat on women, which were very positive. So let me give the interpretation of all that to you men. You are just a clean house away from the night of your dreams. (laughs) But isn't it interesting, really, what God tells us to do makes us more attractive to our spouse. So here's the second thing you can write down, and that's this. Our roles release the potential in our spouse. See, a Christian marriage is a win-win deal. In a Christian marriage, both spouses should reach their full potential, and the roles that God gives us in Ephesians 5 allows uh, that to happen in our spouses. Now, if we could reach our potential without marriage, God would not have created it. But he created it when he looked down, saw Adam all by himself and said, it's not good for him to be alone. So God gave him Eve and thank God for that because men are a lot better off with a woman in their lives. Statistics show a 48-year-old man has a chance of reaching a minimum of age 68 because of a lot of wives don't let them eat the wrong food. Seriously. Now, you think 68. See, we're all thinking 68's not that long or that old anymore. In fact, I just read a statistic the other day. The new lifespan in America for men are like 76 and a half. So, probably because there's a woman in our lives telling us you can't eat that, you can't wear that, you can't watch that, or whatever that is. I'm just saying we're better off with women in our lives, right? Now, to men, he tells us to nourish and cherish our wives. The words nourish and cherish are agricultural terms. So the word nourish means to feed to uh, maturity. It's like a flower. You uh, take it, you fertilize it, you water it, you feed it so it can grow. The word cherish means to protect. So the role of every husband is, is to be God's partner to bring your wife to her full potential. It is our job to find out why God made them and gave them to us and what she is supposed to become in this life and how we can help God and her get there. Uh, I, it should be, I want you, as a husband, you want to lay down your life for your wife so she can get to where she's supposed to be even if you don't get to where you want to be. And you, you let her become all that God wants her to be. So I'm going to do a quick interview with my wife. And uh, you have a... Yeah, okay. Come on up, honey. This is scary because this is impromptu. Uh, we did not really rehearse this.
1: This is called an audible. He's changing the plan. Yeah.
0: So I, I thought it'd be <laughs> good for you to hear from Lois just for a moment because when we got married when we first got married, I, I told her this, I said, Are you willing to be married to a pastor? And she said, Absolutely. And but what she thought was being married to a pastor had nothing to do with her. So can you tell them what your what, what you thought about being a pastor's
1: wife when we first got married? I don't I didn't I don't think I thought it was going to actually ever happen did everything I could in our first couple of years of marriage to um, eliminate that possibility. Um, and why? It's because I think I was living in fear. And I didn't, I, I don't think I was particularly excited about what I had seen in the past. And knew that the traditional pastor's wives back 45 years ago were not me. And I didn't understand that I could be me. I could be me and allow God to use me. And
0: and just so you know, she's not mousy. She's not this kind of person that doesn't give her opinion. But she's not loud and she's not rough.
1: And I'm not fun.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, by the way, on that deal, you guys didn't get to hear this yesterday, but on my test, it says that when it came to task, she's not fun and I'm zero with task. She loves tasks. I hate tasks. I like to have fun. She doesn't like to have fun. So we're completely opposite. So not but true. I told somebody, somebody somebody asked me the other day, uh, yesterday, actually. It's true about
1: him. He doesn't do tasks. It's not true about me. I but do I, like to have fun.
0: They said, you don't like tasks? I said, if she
1: would make a task fun, like if we could weed naked, I would do it. Gosh, I knew <laughs> he was going to say that. Okay, so let's go on. Let's move on. So... That was my biggest thing is that I was, do you understand why I lived in fear? Hello? I never knew it was coming. And um, so over the next, really over the last 45 years, seriously, I've had different experiences that basically is what I had to do is learn to submit to God, learn to honor and respect my husband and i just want us to know that neither of those, none of those phrases when it says that women submit to your husband it isn't because they're worthy of us submitting to them and giving them the honor and respect that they desperately need. God did not say okay if they are worthy you do that. He said do it because this is what honors me is if you will honor others. If you respect others you are respecting me for women for for men to be able to love their wives as Christ loved the church it's not because we are always lovable and we all know that it is because when they love us when we are loved by others well we really are loving god and so what Doug and I have attempted to learn throughout our 45 years of marriage is that in order to fulfill the roles that God has called each one of us, whether it's in marriage or if it's just in life, what we need to do is we need to submit to God. Because as we come under and say, all right, God, what? how have you created me? What do you want to do in me that will help to make you look good. And if we come under him, then we are able to love others and trust God. What Doug said is true. There have been, in the past, I wanted to change him in the areas that it was obvious he needed to be changed in. And God said to me, that's not working. I mean, it was obvious to me. It's it wasn't working. working. It it's not work. working. And the harder I would I would make my attempt to change him, whether it was what I thought was a really, really um, logical thing that needed to happen. I mean, hello, you really can't see this? You are so off base here. And he would push back the, har- the more I tried to bring change, the harder he would resist. So I finally said, you know what? I give, and God said, praise God. You're finally hearing me, and I did. I started going to my knees, and it is so much more peaceful when you take it to God, and then trust him for the timing. There are still things he's got to change, <laughs> got to <laughs> tell you, but, but God knows the timing, and through all of it, as he has encouraged me to become all that, that, that he has seen in me, And I would resist and resist, and I finally said, God, is this what you see? And the more I would come again under the lordship of Jesus in my life, the more that I feel like I don't have to walk in fear because it is. He is going to do that good work and complete it in me. And it's not my doing to either change me or change him. It's my role to come under the lordship of Jesus, and that is something that I am continuing to learn.
0: Listen, 44 years ago, even just 13 years ago, she would not have got up here and done this. She had to believe that God was changing her. So I kind of want to just close with this today. So you're not going to get to the rest of the notes, but that's the way it goes. It's our job to find out why God made our spouse the way he did and why he gave them to us as a gift from God. Uh, our wives are the most important stewardship, and so are our husbands, that, that God has ever given to you. The most, even, after, even before your kids, they are the most precious gift given to you by God. And someday you're going to stand before God, and give account of what you did with your husband or wife. James Dobson tells a story about a man named Johnny Lingo on a Polynesian island in the Pacific. And on the island there were, weren't a lot of wealthy people, but Johnny was a very successful man on the island and he, he was single. And the, the way you got a wife is you, you bought her from the family she belonged to with cows. So you would go to the father and ask for his daughter and and marriage and offer so many cows. Most women went for a cow, maybe two. The record was four cows. If a woman got four cows, she was called a trophy wife. Now, there was a guy on the island named Moko, and he was a, a very evil guy, and he had a daughter named Mahala. And uh, uh, he was very uh, he was a, mo, uh, Moko was very abusive. To his daughter, while she was growing up, he beat her down emotionally and he beat her down verbally. Now, Mahala was not attractive. She walked with her shoulders slunched over, her head slumped, her hair was uh, unkept and in, in her face, and uh, her dress, the way she dressed was usually with, um, un- with wrinkled clothes and sometimes dirty. So, Mocha wanted to marry her off, but no one wanted her. One day there was a knock at her door, at his, at Moko's door, and when he opened it, it was Johnny Lingo. Moko says, "What do you want, Johnny?" Johnny says, "I'm here to marry Mahala. I'm here to purchase her from you." And Moko says, "Really?" He was hoping he could get at least one cow. So he says, "What are you willing to give for?" And Johnny said, "I'll give you eight cows." Moko said, is this a joke? Johnny said, no. Look, there's eight cows right here. And of course, Moko said yes, and he became one of the wealthiest guys on the island. So Johnny goes off with Mahala, but it, it, it bothered Moko. And uh, over time, he, he just couldn't figure out why would Johnny pay eight cows for a woman when he could have got her for a So a couple years go by and Moko goes to visit Johnny. He knocks on the door and Mahala answers the door. She's ravishing. She's absolutely gorgeous and she's beautiful and she's standing straight with her shoulders back and and she has this dark black hair that just uh, radiates her dark skin and she has flowers in her hair and, and, and Moko didn't recognize her. And she said, daddy so he says uh, can I talk to your husband and uh, can I talk to Johnny so Johnny comes and they sit down and they talk and he says Johnny you know you could have bought Mahala for, for one cow why did you pay eight Johnny says well very simple I always wanted an eight cow wife And then Johnny told him, I also want Mahala to wake up every day and know she is the most valuable woman on the island. And because she was valued, nourished, and cherished, she acted like she was the most valuable woman on the Polynesian. and cherish your wife and make her valuable. Over time, people won't recognize her. As I can tell you, people who know Lois now can't believe what she's become. She's valuable. She's my most valuable gift in my life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you are just saying this morning, Some of you are going, I hope I do fall in love. But I just want to start out, as we worship here in just a moment, I want to start out by praying for some singles this morning. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person here who wants to be married. Would you bring them a spouse that would cherish them and love them and be their partner and achieving their destiny in life. I pray that you would comfort them right now, that they would know you are very interested in this, and you're going to bring them someone who's going to fulfill them and bless them. I pray for every marriage right now, that, Lord, you would heal it, bless it. Those who've been broken, those who've been hurt, I'm asking, Lord, to heal broken hearts today. Because, Lord, we know if we do it your way, marriages have a 100% chance of succeeding. And we pray that we be a church that begins to demonstrate that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to spend some moment just worshiping. I believe God's going to bring Him victory.